Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today, Charity Smith. She's an advocate for women's business and economic power. You do not get more awesome than that. She's done so many things. I can't even rattle off the bio here to you because there's (laughs) so much great stuff. But basically, she serves on so many boards, amplifying women's voice in business to legislators, championing funding opportunities for women to build sustainable and viable economic power. She is also known as Miss Mogul, which I love. I love that nickname so much. Just utilizing keynote speaking opportunities, leadership development. Development. We're going to talk all about her experience, her companies, and um, again, just such great energy. I wanted to have her on. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super delighted to be here. Let's talk about how you got here. Um, yeah. How do you become Miss Mogul? Let's talk about some humble beginnings or, you know, how did you get into this? So it's more the evolution of a woman, right? So the Miss Mogul thing is really about the evolution, not just of the brand, but of the woman. So I started out uh, as, well, let me go all the way back. In the beginning, no, not that far back. Um, I started my life in academia, teaching business concepts to students, primarily here in uh, the Houston area, and um, really was passionate about women because my classes were filled primarily with men taking my business management classes. And so I began to uh, actively advocate for the enrollment of women, changing. Now, men, I'm in the classroom, not in administration, but I'm uh, becoming an advocate for the branding, the marketing, the images, the verbiage, the wording. Hey, we need more women to come into the classrooms uh, because I was already uh, advocating for women in legislation. So I knew about the economic achievement gaps. I knew about the earnings gaps. And I didn't see the folks who were in the gaps in my class. And so I began to advocate more for that. And so one thing led to another. And while I was hosting some business leaders and a mastermind there at the campus, he said, "Um, okay, well, Miss Mogul, since you're just the mogul of it all. And he said it flippantly, but he didn't know that thing sparked a fire in me. I was already a powder keg ready to go because academia was confining me and I was always an entrepreneurial spirit. But that teacher in me kept bringing me back to the classroom. So long story short, he didn't know it, but he ignited a fire in me. Uh, The second fire happened with my divorce, right? So let me connect the two. Um, After I had that epiphany with that student, I began to develop a boutique business consulting firm, KMF Business Group, where I taught primarily women. I went actively for women, L, because again, when I saw the statistics with the economic achievement gaps, you know, guys, you're great, you're good, love you, you know, the whole thing. But I'm really centered now on people I feel like need my voice and my advocacy. So I developed a a boutique consulting firm where I took women's businesses, services, et cetera, and made global connections for them. So I took them from the U.S. market into global emerging markets. And I created these systems of synergy of import-export business opportunities for women where they could exchange goods and services locally. And that's primarily what I did. I helped them with um, not just trade, but with the social conditionings and the mores going into some of the environments we're going into. Ethiopia, um, Israel, there were several. Uh, Germany, there was some slight nuances that we had to kind of be mindful of and even how we approached women in those markets, let alone some of the men in those markets. So it was a very holistic approach to taking women and literally making them global business entities in every sense of the word, not just in function, but in culture and idea. That's a whole nother conversation. So enter then uh, the divorce and um, then, no, I'm sorry, the crash of 2008 happened. Ah, (laughs) the crash of 2008 happened then the divorce. And so I was in a place where, um, unfortunately in Texas, it's community property. And I had to dissolve my beautiful boutique business or buy him out. Um, but I kind of had that Tina Turner moment where you can take it all. I don't know if anybody's out there saying what's love got to do with it, but that was me. 
give me my name. I'll give you the business. I'll dissolve it all because I refuse to pay you, you know, buy you out for something you did not put any sweat into. So I dissolved that business and went into this really dark place. And then again, just there are these benchmarks where God intervenes in my life and I'm sitting on the floor in my house, L, and I'm looking at of all things, the lion King. Okay. And then I have this epiphany where Simba is going from the ashes, which is what my business, my life, my divorce, my, all my hopes and my dreams. And Simba is ascending pride rock. Right. And as he's ascending pride rock, I know everybody's seen it. Right. Um, Then he lets out this ancient, powerful, guttural roar that reminds him that he's more than what he has become. Enter now the real evolution of Ms. Mogul. While I was on the floor, it was no longer about Simba and Mufasa in Disney's Lion King, but it was really me, God, my spirit, my present and my future all in this one room and everything is speaking my present, my future, my past, my hopes, my dreams. And then the voice of God comes in on the top of that and reminds me, you're more than what you have become. He walked away, but I didn't. And so, yes. Um, And so it reminded me, and I get chills every time I tell that story. It's hard to tell it all these years later without tearing up. But I believed him when he told me that I was more than, I bought it. You know, it was like, I'm looking for a dream. You telling me I can do it, I'll buy it. And so I launched then um, my real estate investing because now that I'm a divorced mother, I needed a lifestyle and an economy that would sustain me in the crash, believe it or not, even uh, after 2008 to 2011, real estate was still it for me. That's where I found my, my footing. And so I needed a place to land that would give me power, that would give me economic power and the time to redevelop my family culture, right? Because the divorce really didn't just happen to me. It happened to my children. And so I found this this passion in real estate investing because I started to meet families and women um, regardless of socioeconomical status, who were either looking for something or had been through something or wanted something more or knew there was something more and didn't know how to get there. And I kept meeting these women, these people, these families who were, again, just kind of at these crossroads. And I believe certainly in um, divine connections. And I would keep meeting these people. And it would start out Uh, The conversation, of of course, about real estate and how to leverage and investing for retirement for the children, etc. But it would always end up in a larger conversation. Who are you? How does this get you to who you are? And so, you know, I can ramble on and on about that. But that's really how the the Miss Mobile title happened. This guy just spoke it. I was not ready to involve myself really in being Miss Mobile yet. But it wasn't until I had a, what the market calls a correction, right? When it completely crashes after up, it crashes. That's called a correction. I had that correction on that floor with the Lion King. Out of the ashes came the Phoenix and the Phoenix turned into the lioness and she started to roar, honey. And the rest is history. Uh, now, now you guys all see why I wanted her on this show. The energy <laughs> is palpable. No, but it's so great. And everybody's, uh, you know, some of the best gifts are wrapped in shit, right? Sometimes these moments on the floor are those moments. And it makes me tear up too, just thinking about it. Cause I understand we've had those moments. Let, let me just dial it back a little bit. Uh, and yeah. when, when you were seeing all of the disparities going on yeah. with the economics with women, yes. um, I want, I want not necessarily statistics, but I'd like you to touch on some of the things that you noticed as to why women either weren't stepping up, whether it was excuses, whether it was self-limiting beliefs, what were some commonalities that kept came out of people's mouths or that you were like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't even see this one before. You know, what, what were those? Because I think there are people out there listening and, and, and right now, right, this is like a new year. This is the time we've just had a crash. Everyone's had their whole crash in life with the pandemic and the switch up and they've got to reinvent themselves and you're the master of that. So let's go back and just start at least with what were some of the common thoroughfares that you saw there with the disparity? I saw 
lack of information. That lack of information then led to a reality that really was not the truth. It was just the reality they were living. So if you're taking notes, here's the first one. You have to be around information. You have to know what's available. Most of these people did not know what was available to them, i.e. women. Um, They knew that there was something, but they didn't ever know how to get there, right? And so it was a lack of information. Secondly, it was absolutely negative self-talk and negative narratives. Um, I would hear, oh, I've tried that before, or I've applied for the promotion before, and I got shot down. And it was all of this self-defeating stuff. And I ever, and I, I remember asking a lady, um, Elle, and I, I won't name her because she's gone on to do some pretty awesome things. But I told her, I said, why are you trying to climb the corporate ladder when you can build your own ladder? Why? Why are you trying to climb something or be involved in something that clearly is not meant for you, not made for you? You've tried everything you can. It does not work for you. You have the skill set. You have the connections. You have the, the hooks, but we talked about that. You have all of that, and you're still trying to make yourself fit a square peg and a round hole. Why are you doing that? She had never had the permission and these were her words. She'd never been given the permission to think bigger or to think in that way. And I'm thinking you're a Fortune 500 leader. You're tracking to the CEO level and you haven't been given permission. It threw me. See how you, I see your eyebrows. Well, it seems you, real polar opposite. You'd think like that would be the person that was given permission because they got not, there. But even at that level, they didn't feel it. Not at Oh, she had carefully orchestrated this life, this pattern in this art, this identity, following all the rules that were given to her, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, kissing all the butt, licking all the tail, doing all that stuff to get there. She was still empty. She still had not been given the promotions. She was working 80 hours a week and still had nothing. Life was in a sham developing heart issues because of the stress and the pressure, um, family life crumbling, nothing. And I'm like, so what do you have to show for all of this? And I remember having a conversation with her. I said, look, if you're looking for permission, here it is. I give you permission to own your genius, to become a consultant and to go for it. And then I showed her how with the home she was in, how she could take the equity out of that to sustain her family right? And not going to debt while she built a boutique consulting firm. Long story short, she and her husband made a pivot to the the, uh, real estate um, strategies that I'd given them. And now they're in real estate investing as well as some other ventures. But she had not been given the permission. That blew my mind. Because when she talked to me, Elle, I'm telling you, this woman dotted the I's, crossed the T's, and she fit within this little mold and it never been given permission to do this for her. Well, you know, so, so, you know what's so crazy about that is um, it reminds me of when I wrote, because, you know, so I was a paleothyroid author and then I, I, you know, and then I come out with a self-help book, Confident as F. And I had another New York Times bestselling author actually ask me, they're like, how do you get like a publisher to see you as someone again, looking for permission. And I said, you don't have to have anyone give you permission to see you as a self-help writer versus whatever. You just write it. You just do it. You know what I mean? And, and so, but this is the, like, if you're waiting for permission from someone, you ain't ever going to get it. This woman is at the highest of the heights and she's still waiting for someone to tell her, thank God you did. Um, but this is that, 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 that is so great because again, we're waiting for validation or permission from outside of herself. It has to be from within and you have to just do it. If you are that and you know you're that, you declare yourself as that. Absolutely. That's how you become that. You don't wait for a publisher to go, well, I think you're probably in this arena. You just write that book. There you go. And this is what I found out. That kind of negative self-talk is not relegated to one socioeconomical status. It's the biggest, it's the brightest, it's the woman you would think have it all or has it all, and she's still waiting on the sideline to, to go bigger, right? To think bigger, 
to be better, to push the envelope just a little bit further. She's still kind of, you know, I have this, but I don't know about that. I'm, I believe my purpose in the world. So you asked about what did I see? My purpose in the world and kind of answering that question coming in another direction <clears throat> is to give people the courage and the permission, the audacity to think bigger, to push the envelope. What would your life, forget about thinking outside of the box. What would your life be if there were no box? And I hope everyone who's listening would kind of sit in the stillness of that moment. We've come through COVID. We've come through pandemics. We've come through, and we're still coming through all of this stuff. Economic upturns, downturns. We really don't know what the future is unless we write it. We don't know what it is unless we write it. So what would your life be in the ash, in the chaos, in the madness of it all? How do you now take this and make it creative energy? How do you fuel yourself? This is something, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot find outside. Those answers will never be found by those who are pontificating in the news media, in the White House, in the Black House, in the outhouse. Nobody is out there with that narrative that has to specifically and completely and only come from you. So it's going to now challenge you to go back because, you know, and I, I hope you don't mind, but so many of us, as we grew up, Elle, forgot about the kid that used to dream big before the toxic talk, before the divorce, before the loss, before the illness, before the failure, before the, the crazy counselor who said you'd never do that, before the crazy husband who didn't know your value, before the narcissistic needy wife, before the crazy boss who was jealous of you anyway, before all of that stuff happened, there was a kid who thought they were limitless and powerful and strong and capable of literal. I mean, we would jump off of fences thinking we could fly. We believed it. We bought our own narrative. I believe I'm placed in the earth to take everybody back. Yes. To that place. And I feel the power of that even in the statement. Without all of that stuff, before you became a mother, all the titles that we've put on to function in, mother, wife, girlfriend, partner, business owner, leader, p- nanny, PTO, gent, whatever that... Before the labels came, if you could just strip down to spirit, who you are at the most organic, at the cellular level, who are you? Why are you here? That is the pursuit of everyone. I don't care about industry. I don't care about um, degrees. Everyone's looking for purpose. Yes. Everyone's looking for purpose. Everyone's looking for definition. How do I define myself? I used to do it as mom or wife. I'm not that anymore. So who am I? I can't just be mom. There's more to me than that. Mind you, I love that, but that's not all there is to me. It can't just be mentor. There's more to me than that. It can't just be real estate investor. There's got to be more to me than that. It can't just be author. It's got to be more to me than that. Who am I? Give yourself one permission to be, and I know you all, you've heard this before, I know, but please believe me this time. Give yourself permission to be powerful and limitless. If money was not an issue, what would you do? Okay, I love that you said that because one of my biggest questions to people, I'm like, if you won the lottery tomorrow for $200 million, Mm -hmm. aside from like, you're going to go take the trips, you're going to go, aside from the boat you're going to buy, okay, aside from all that stuff, what would you do? And people's purpose comes out. It does. They'd be like, you know, I'd open up a nonprofit or, you know, I'd like to have my own clothing business or whatever it is, they will usually say what that is um, in that, in that, in that, in that moment. I also, the finding your purpose thing is so key. You know, I think where people really trip up is they're trying to find things, square uh, pegs they can put in holes. Like what skill do I have that I can do with what job? And that's really kind of the wrong way of going to find your purpose. It's what do I love? 
what do I love combined with what am I good at combined with what, you know, what kind of value, what values and ethics I have. Look, I, I would, for example, I would be a great Hollywood agent. People have even been like, you'd be a great agent. I would be, guess what? Don't want to do it. It goes against my ethics. I'm going to be lying all the time. I'm going to be lying <laughs> nonstop in that motherfucking job. Okay. So, so there's lots of things like I might be good at, uh, but that I don't want to do. And again, again, just the wrong trajectory. It's what do you love and what fuels you? Uh, it's less about answering right away the how and the end result that's going to connect with that. You'd be surprised as to where that goes. Um, so, I, and, and I know this is a time where a lot of people need to reinvent and find their purpose. And um, so, so important to just really simmer in this and, and, and not try to push yourself. Uh, one time someone asked me, they said, um, you know, do, do you think I would, do you think I would make a good coach? And I said, the way you asked me, not at all, not at all. The fact that you asked me that in that way means no, you won't not right now. Probably not. They were just searching for like, well, that could seem cool. What do you think? And again, I think that, um, this goes back to the magic, right? I, mm-hmm. I really resonate with that because when I was a kid, I felt like there was a magical world out there. And then I got in the corporate world and it got dampened. And I was like, what the hell is this all about? And then it wasn't until I started studying the power of intention, the less browns of the world and the, you know, the secret and all of the, you know, power of subconscious mind that I realized I really had a participant, uh, part- participation in this. I could create my own reality. And that's when kind of the magic started to happen where I thought, see, I knew it was there. And now I still have that kid-like way of looking at things, which by the way, is a much happier, fun place to be. Oh, even if if people were like, well, you're crazy. I'd be like, yeah, but uh, it's also better. I'm happy. Right. But I'm happy. (laughs) Right. So, so I love that finding your purpose and, and let's talk about some of the things you've seen, because I'm sure people have come to you and they've like have some idea to make money, but it's not aligned with who they are. Whether you have examples of this, there's tips on how we can navigate looking at this. I'd love to hear about it. So I want to expound upon that. So it's not just finding your purpose, but it's what do you do that elevates you to a higher version of yourself? What can you give that really brings you to the highest? And I hate to use the word vibration because I'm going to sound kind of ooky spooky, but the most evolved expression of yourself, it's finding that. Here's my point. Um, People can say real estate. Okay, so let's take real estate. That's my passion. You brought up the question. I'm going to use myself as the case study, right? Um, What would you do if you had $200 million? Instantly, I would build housing that was 100% eco-friendly because I believe that we should start erasing our our uh, carbon footprint. I'm so concerned about the planet and how people are living and real quality of life. And I'm not talking about um, the Carrera Carrera marble countertops. I love Carrera marble, mind you. But is it going to give me the highest value or the highest expression? Is it going to give me the highest good? Or would making a home that's 100% eco-friendly and then showing people how to live in that environment and then nurture the earth the way the earth has nurtured us and make it a dance between you and the earth. You give and the earth gives. You give and the earth gives. You So it's, it's almost like being pregnant, right? When a mother is pregnant, she gives food to the baby, gives, gives, gives life, blood, rest. Everything that the mom takes in, the baby takes in. And as soon as the baby is born, the baby reciprocates that back with the love and the affirmation that mom gave it prenatally. Baby gives it back. Now I'm talking about perfect world scenarios, right? Here is my point. There is this existence, this ecosystem, this dance that we can create with the earth where we bless it and where we're good to it and where we heal it and it comes back to bless us and heal us and nurture us. I would create living environments that way where we would literally clean the oceans, right? And and use all of that filth and gunk to create sustainable housing and living. And then I would maybe eat fewer animals and I would plant more vegetables and see how that works for everybody with cleaning out the cholesterol. Here's my point. There is an ideal that you have to have that serves the highest good of humanity. 
I don't care what it is you're doing, whether it's a Hollywood agent, a real estate investor, a podcaster, an author, whatever you do, it it has to serve the highest good of humanity. When you find out what that is and you pursue it with abandon, you can work, and I have done it myself, 18 hours a day and not need sleep because you're anxious to get back up and start working on that again. You're literally fueled by it. If what you're doing doesn't give you that, I would argue you're doing the wrong thing. You're not in, you haven't found your purpose yet. You may have a job, you may have a passion, but you don't have your purpose. There's something different. Purpose gives you the energy to wake up in the morning and push past all the no's. So you want to build 100% eco-friendly homes. Nobody wants to invest in you. No investor, no angel fund. Nobody wants to invest in you then you find the way to pursue that in small ways. How do you do that? You create recycling campaigns where you clean up neighborhoods and you track it. And you see how the people who live there are breathing better and kids have less eczema and less respiratory issues. Wink, wink, think I've done this stuff before. And you clean up the paper and then you clean up the filth and then you take all of that to city government and say, here, this works. Now will you invest in the campaign?" And then you start talking to lead, L-E-E-D, lead builders and, and green builders and getting them now to rethink even how they're thinking green. How do we change the industry to truly stop depleting? We only have one earth. It's not like the, the resources are infinite. We're finding out they're finite. But how do we use what we have as good stewards, as God people here to now create these higher levels of existence forever, not just me and my children, but a hundred years from now. I think it's the Rothschilds who have a hundred year plan for their family. A hundred. That's that's some long term freaking thinking right there. That's some real long term planning. But do you understand the purpose in that? That means that as each child is born, they know where they belong. Right. Isn't that a novel idea? Right. As each woman and man comes in and out of the family, they know where they belong. Isn't that a novel idea? So it's about creating that kind of purpose, right? That makes sense and it serves everyone around us. And when we do it right, L, it challenges mediocrity around us to elevate. It challenges those people around us. Well, if she's coming on like this, I got to bring my A game. There's no way I can come in and talk to a Charity Smith or an L. Russ and not bring my A game. I already know how she's thinking. She's going to ask me now, who does this serve? How, how does it serve? <laughs> when people talk to me, L, they look, I'm getting in my baseball game, right? I'm doing this. So when people come and talk to me about a business proposal, or an idea, or an investing strategy. The first question I ask them, not how much money it makes, who does it serve and how? Yeah, that's a really, um, it's a novel way of doing it versus looking at the numbers and statistics and staying in that kind the of- numbers right. will happen. That's but right. Here is what the thing is. We're focused on the wrong things. Does money matter like air? Absolutely money matters. It's up there with air. But it's not the first thing. It's an important thing, but it's not the first thing. I would dare say, L, that when we really do life right, when we do business right, when we, when we endeavor to serve humanity at the highest level, that level of excellence breeds profitability. It breeds it. People want to be a part of that. People want to be a part of the big idea the big campaign, the big gift. People want to be a part of purpose. Most people don't know who they are, where they belong. And when you can give people a place to serve humanity at a high level, people buy in. They just do. You know, you, you've done, uh, gosh, I wish, I wish we could just like scroll your resume across the screen because you know, you're, <laughs> you're yeah, like, you know, women's leadership Institute for girls, right. You know, leadership summits for women. You know, I'm, I initially, not now, but when our paleo primal ancestral health industry started maybe 
eight, 10 years ago, uh, it was mostly male dominated. I was kind of one of the only females in, and now there's more. And I'm, I'm so pro women. And one of the things I wrote in my book is that, you know, women have to get more pro women. And we got we to gotta team together and encourage each other and lift each other up, which is really like what you do. Um, but out of curiosity, I just want to, if does anything come to mind, I'd love to hear one of like, if you were teaching in a class, one of the, the, the biggest fails in business you've seen, whether it's your own or someone else's, and then one of the most like, wow, like long shot or interesting or really one of the most incredible successes that you saw. Maybe it was a 180 from somebody who had nothing, didn't believe in themselves and became it. So if anything comes to mind on, on those two areas, I'd love to hear. Oh, honey, I am my own case study. So <laughs> <laughs> I am my own stuff. <laughs> So I would say the biggest fail was trying to do business everybody's way except mine. Ah, thank you for saying, yep. I think that was the biggest fail. Um, For so long, uh, again, as a woman of color, as if you cannot tell by this wonderful hue and these wonderful coils, um, Mm. I had to fit in these boxes and molds um, for the sake of promotion. And so I could see that there would be a glitch in the system but would not speak as directly to the issue because I felt threatened that my economic well-being would be threatened. That's a very real place for many women for outside of women of color, but you know, yes. specifically because that's my, my, <laughs> that's my skin. But I'm telling you, L, it was when I finally said my voice mattered as a business leader outside of being a woman of color. I'm a thinking, brilliant, capable, skilled, studied, tenured, experienced, knowledgeable woman. And I won't speak up and say, I see a glitch in your logistics because I don't want to have rock the boat or let's just be honest, have my economic well-being threatened. It was when I lost the fear of that and embraced my real value that that fear left. Then I changed my perspective and said, they need me. So if they need me, I need to say what needs to be said. So it's less about me being afraid of the confrontation. And it's more about you need me evidently, right? I'm here. Um, I know what I bring to the table. I know my value. I know my worth. I know the information running under these wonderful coils here. And you would do yourself a disservice not to hear what I have to say. When I changed my position in that space and then began to execute from a place of power, not arrogance, but power, information is power. When I started to execute from that place, the winds uh, came more frequently and there was less carnage in the battles. I lost a whole lot less, lost a lot less sleep. And I finally embraced how I do business. I have an acumen that works. And so it's time for me to embrace that. And if there was no organization that could embrace that, then I would create the organization and the organism that could handle my my, my way of doing things. And so I would say then that's the biggest success is that I finally embraced my own genius and knew that if I could do that, case in point, oh my God. So this is in the book, right? The Roar of a Woman. Um, I was up for promotion for VP and another woman who was interviewing for president of the college. This woman, and I will put it out there, uh, was also a woman of color. We were the only two women of color in senior leadership on the campus, not the department, the campus. The entire campus. Right. You heard me. I did not bite my tongue. You heard me. We were the only two women in senior leadership on the campus. Everyone else were kind of uh, paraprofessionals, mid-management, et cetera, but no one that was in senior leadership on the campus. She was applying for the the, uh, president position. The outgoing president was going to work for the Gates Foundation. And so um, that previous president was kind of grooming her to take her place. And then I would step into VP. Here was the issue. The young woman um, did not have a vision. 
she was there because she had allowed people to place her in leadership, but had not earned the right to lead. So if you're taking notes, if you, thank you. So if anyone's out there taking notes, you have to earn the right to lead, right? It's not given. You've got to earn that. And so she was kind of always given these opportunities, but never had proven herself to be a leader with traction, with tenure, with vision. She did not have it. And so when that leader left and she was stepping up to that position, she did not know who she was or where she was going to take the organization. In order for each of us to be promoted, we both had to um, create uh, a vision plan for the campus in our position. So if I were VP, how would I lead um, the, the, the campus as VP, right? And so I created this whole vision for what I would do as VP. She um, had to create her own narrative. Long story short, um, she took my presentation, tweaked her name for mine, changed the positions only, presented it first because she was my my senior level um, person. And so, uh uh-oh, long story short, I'm sorry, I lost you. Are you still there? Can you see me? You're still there. I can't see you, though. Just your headshots there. The other you are. Okay, you're back. okay good. Sorry about that. Um, so she changed. Let's just quit dancing around. She plagiarized. She plagiarized that shit. That's clear. Okay. And when I found out what she did, two things happened. Needless to say, all of the boo-boo hit the fan, and it splattered. And so when I confronted her, she threatened to fire me before I could even make the interview. And it was in that moment that I finally understood my power. I understood the value of my work. I understood my own vision. That being was willing to steal it and fire you to get rid of you for that. Wait, coming in on the video. Bingo! And so after I told her to kiss the darkest part of my behind, (laughs) I (laughs) I left the organization and I built my own firm because I knew, I knew I had value. No one had told me on campus. No one had said, you have a brilliant mind. You, you know, you're a visionary. No one had told me that it was just what I did. But it was in that moment, Elle, when I saw that she was willing to steal, kill, and destroy for it, that I understood the true gold that was here. That, that's a negative that's an immediate positive, right? I'm you telling know, you. Most people would be running away like a victim. See, I can't get ahead. All this kind of stuff happens. And you're like, ah, oh, that just means I should do it on my own. By the way, um, I don't know what happened to her. But the way that I look at it this way is, she got I hers, number one. We know she got hers. But also, I wonder, could she even execute that vision? If she couldn't come up with in the beginning, I'm kind of thinking that if I were to, uh, if I were to guess, I would say that she probably failed. She failed miserably okay. because she was a bureaucrat. All of- By the way, happy to hear it. I don't revel in other people's misfortunes, but when I hear stories like that, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the way it should work out. That's the karma. Yep. <laughs> It goes around people, really. Scripture's true. What you sow is what you reap. She did not have the vision, the passion. There is a life that visionaries give to their plans. When we put things on paper and when when we do that, we see people playing certain roles. And we've already anticipated the logistics necessary and the cost. And we see the best talent there. We've all because we've already kind of been looking in the environment, we know where all of that is in the landscape. And so we're just looking for the opportunity to bring all of that wonderfulness together. And it's almost like a conductor with a symphony. You're pulling in brass, you're pulling in woodwinds, you're pulling in strings. Because you hear this symphony, by the way, I was a former music major, opera no less, and you hear all of this in your head, right? And it's almost like Beethoven writing music. Never played it, but he heard it first. That's the way a visionary is. By the way, if you're taking notes, write that down too. If you want to know what your future looks like, you have to already see it. You have to already hear it. You have to hear your own narrative and you have to see your own 
vision of what that is. And then the pieces just come together. And when you pull them together, you don't wait and let each one do its own thing. You're the conductor, right? So it's about having everything move in concert and tandem together as a visionary. That's what we do every day in our businesses. That's what we do in our families. And if we have real excellence and mastery, that's what we do with ourselves, mind, soul, body, and spirit. It all works together in tandem and synergy. So it's, it's no different. But to your point, she failed miserably because she did not see what I saw when right. that was developed. Yeah, you that was bullet, the, those bullet points you put down on paper in a presentation were just a shell of the broad, vast vision you had in your head that you didn't put on paper. And she didn't have that, therefore couldn't execute those, that outline or whatever it is. And not even know, close. We see, that we see this a lot. It's also a case of having information and not being able to dispel it, disseminate it, explain it. That's why there's, you know, some teachers resonate more with others. You can have the same information, but if I'm falling asleep listening to you, there's not, you know, then you're no good. Uh, and can, can I put in something right quick as another third bullet point? Because that's a teacher coming out of me, right? Third bullet point. So if you're taking notes, write this down. You don't need to have analysis paralysis. You have enough information. Execute. You have to, at some point, call to action. All of this research you're doing and all of this listening, even listening to this podcast, at some point when you finish listening to this podcast, you have to go execute what you've heard. That's what makes you the leader. That's what makes you confident. That's what makes, you know, that's the stuff. It's the execution. By the way, people are caught up in that a lot. I just want to highlight that too and piggyback off of it, which is, you know, these people that are like, well, I just need one more certificate. Like they're constantly in school. They're constantly, and you're like, you got to do. At some point you got to do. And now that, that stuff becomes an excuse to keep you from actually executing and taking action. It's right. never going to be freaking perfect, is it? We know this. If you're an entrepreneur, it's never going to be perfect. The video, you're going to do 50, takes of it, and it still won't be absolutely perfect, right? <laughs> As um, in this. Right, right, right. So, so you know, like, like now, like the video disappears, like whatever, you go with it. But so you have to start, let, and let me, let me start there. So there's people out there, they need to reinvent themselves, whether they're or not inspired by you. Somebody who wants to be like, I want my own thing. And Mm -hmm. let's say they know what it is because, you know, finding your purpose is a whole nother episode, but let's say they're like, they kind of really know what they want to go for. Where do you stay? They start. What are some just, you know, throwing spade on the wall? What are some tips and tricks of like, you know, I, I mean, obviously I'd say, okay, well go learn about that thing. Like you said, knowledge is information and power. So of course we do that. What are some, you know, just spitballing with you? What are some things you can throw out to, to women out there or men who are like, I want to start my own business or I want to do my own thing or I want to get involved in real estate? Mm-hmm. So first thing, if you have a family, make sure you have family buy-in. There's nothing worse than wanting to go in another direction and you don't have the support and you have not communicated that. I can't tell you how many businesses have been sabotaged by loved ones ah. and well-meaning people. So you can't right have, because the wife or the husband's like, yeah, right. This is going to work out, and they don't even believe in the person. So that's just bad juju, negative energy going on there. All kinds of stuff, and then I'll even take it to the kids. So let's say that you want to do that, but um, your children are wasteful with resources, right? And you're saying that you want to take your resources and put them into a new business. So you have to conserve in some places. They have to get the idea that I'm a part of this too. So I have to do my part. So that means I can't be wasteful with my parents' resources. I don't care how abundant those resources seem to be. It's getting them in the mindset of responsibility and agreement. It's about having agreement. So first thing, if you have- I like it too. It's kind of a built-in cheerleader. Hey, we're going to all, we're all on this. We're all on board with this. This is all for us. Yeah. And you absolutely need that, right? Anything that's new, this new venture needs agreement because you're going to need all of that power and all that energy to push past all the obstacles you see and that you don't see. So I would say this power of agreement. Secondly, information, knowledge. You cannot know where you're going to be if you don't know how you're going to get there. Business planning, we hear it all the time, but I promise you it is the most undervalued document there is. Get a plan. You can revise it. It will take on a life of its own. It will evolve. But by God, if you don't know that you want to end up in Manhattan, you'll never get there right? If you don't know where you want to be, you'll never get there and any place will do. 
So get a business plan and really understand what it takes to do that. I find that so many people are building a job and not building a business because they don't know the numbers. Well, I got, I want to throw in, uh, jump in on that one. I had a, yeah. a friend years ago who had this idea and they were like, you know, the gov- we know the government food health pyramid is terrible. It's a diabetes causing pyramid. They tell you, you eat all this junk. Okay, great. So he was like, I want to do this thing called like change the pyramid and all this stuff. He's giving me all, and I said, uh, okay. I said, so you want to be a lobbyist in Washington then? And he was like, wait, what? No. And I go, well, but that's, that's what that is. The, the way to change a government food pyramid is first of all, not a money-making endeavor, like really. Um, and so do you want to make money at this or do you want to be a nonprofit or do you want to actually go be a professional lobbyist? Like I, you know, and he, once we dissected, he was like, he realized this was just a lovely, wonderful idea that he believed in, but it wasn't a business plan or an idea or even at all money earning nothing. It was nothing but a nice thought. It was nothing but a nice thought. So, Mm -hmm. so I agree with you. Got to like go through all of that stuff to determine Mm -hmm. before you, you know, are 10 steps forward in an idea that will reap zero. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Know your structure. How you start a business is just as important as starting a business. There are so many uh, tax write-offs with how you start the business, whether for-profit or non-profit. I um, am an advocate for having real estate in for-profit entities and non-profit entities because of the tax benefits, because of inheritance, because of you know all of that estate planning. So how you start a business is just as important as starting the business itself. Do your due diligence and don't skimp on that. And that's why you need to have, if you're taking notes, uh, the, the fourth thing, have reserves in your account. Be liquid enough to start this business. I don't care how much money you have. It's the money you keep that matters. Does that make sense? I don't, let me rephrase that. I don't care how much money you earn. It's the money that you're able to keep that matters. And so you can make six figures annually, but if you're spending six and a half, where are you? So it's about to having the liquidity to have this kind of conversation. So it's one, having agreement, two, knowing where you want to go, have that business plan. Three, you have to take action. How do you take action? You establish your business in a way that makes sense to grow. Always have the idea that I'm going to scale, right? So how you start the business is just as important as starting the business. And then two, make sure that you're liquid enough to do that. So many folks think, you know, you you buy into all of these ideas and guys, gals, they're out there to make money. Okay. Everything that's shiny ain't gold. (laughs) Make sure that you have a viable way. Make sure this is viable. So do a viability report. Do the SWAT report. Find out if this will work or not. Because to your point, Elle, it may be that you need to become um, a charitable giver to this cause, and it's not your moneymaker. There may be a way for you to support that cause in a way that's for profit, but if the business itself is not viable, perhaps you can donate to the cause, but you work in some other place that supports the cause, right? right. So it's having some clarity about what that is, and then do it. Duplicate, duplicate, duplicate. Make sure that you have the systems in play. So many businesses fail because they are not systematized correctly. They don't have logistics right. They don't have cash flow right. So if that's business one-on-one, that's it. There you go. First of all, you don't need an MBA. Number one, you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. You know, a lot of people think that they should go do, and here's the thing, the reason to get an MBA in this industry is to be in the corporate world and get better promotions and money. It's It's just a a street cred value. Most people that have gotten an MBA go totally, tell me like, absolutely waste of money, except for the fact that I learned how to like look at a balance sheet, right? And that's about it. Like, and I got connections, like that's it. So you don't need a business degree to do this. You know, when I was uh, figuring out how to write a book proposal, I Googled it. I never took a class on writing. I didn't have to take a class on screenwriting. I bought a book to tell me uh, how do you write a, a, a phone scene between someone in another language or like the technical writing out. And also I looked up, how do you write a book proposal? And I ended up being like, oh, okay. And then that's what I did. And there you go. I mean, most of the stuff, if you're like sitting out there going, I don't know how to write a business plan. You don't need to know how this stuff information is out there on the internet. There's probably a hundred podcasts on it alone, right? 
I get start you. with a template. Yeah, start with a template and just, you know, do your best. But again, putting action towards it is really at least moving something forward momentum and it's getting that excitement and that juice up and that, and really moving forward. You know, you do so many things. You you have a podcast. Tell us tell us how we can connect with you, work with you, hear more from you and all, you know, and do so many things. We'll put the bio in the the full bio in the show notes, but tell us as we end here how we can learn more from you about this. So a couple of ways you can connect, depending upon what you need from me, because I am the tree. I am the sage. Um, so if it's real estate, go to mommiescreatingeconomies.com, M-O-M-M-I-E-S, mommiescreatingeconomies.com. There you'll find out about real estate, how I can mentor you, how you can attend Mogul U Real Estate Academy, or how I can help you with investment opportunities, or just see if your investment strategy is viable. Mommy'sCreatingEconomies.com. If it's speaking or uh, content or what have you, same thing. You can leave a message for me there. My VA or my uh, secretary will get it to me, and we'll do that. Um, I'm all over social media as Charity Smith or Charity Smith Miss Mogul. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Where am I not? Is probably the question. <laughs> so. If you, you got, you got, you got a Pinterest account, <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm all out there. I'm out there. Um, but I, you will find me most times, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, depending upon what you need from me. Well, tell us about your show though. You have a couple. Oh, absolutely. So I have a podcast that we just finished together. I'm excited about that. It's called power talk. It's where I speak to industry leaders, thought leaders, whether it's content, thought, strategy, and we talk about where we are in the leadership structure now and how to move America's leaders forward. It really is kind of a a closed door forum where leaders get a chance to be vulnerable and, and really sharpen themselves before they go back out into the world with their capes on. It's that opportunity. So it's for the CEOs, it's for the thinkers, it's for uh, influencers who really want to have a place to kind of decompress, get the information they need to take it to the next optimal level. So where, tune in to Power Talk. Where can we watch and find out, find, listen to Power Talk? Awesome. So it streams live on Facebook, YouTube, and the website. Uh, your segment with me will be streaming live tomorrow at Mommy's, I'm sorry, Wednesday, October 14th. Mommy'sCreatingEconomies.com will also stream it live on Facebook and on the YouTube channel. And so, and we'll also drop the links in our uh, Apple store as well. So lots of places it'll, it'll be aired. That's great. Thank you so much for all that you do to inspire other women and people to uh, you know, improve and, and elevate their lives. Uh, it's just so fun talking to your energy is great. I love it. I'm so glad we got to meet. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully we'll have you back on again. It's my honor to serve. Thank you for having me. Thanks. And everyone else will see you next week. Primal blueprint listeners don't compromise on pantry classics. Whether you're going keto, paleo in the middle of a whole 30 month or adding to your primal approved arsenal, Primal Kitchen has a full range of mayo, ketchup, dressings, and oils that add flavor and variety to any meal without ever compromising on ingredient quality. From avocado oil-based mayos bursting with flavors like kicky chipotle lime, creamy classic, zesty garlic aioli, or savory pesto, to unsweetened ketchups and organic mustards, there's a condiment to complement every taste bud. Be sure to stock up on Primal Kitchen avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, and new balsamic vinegar of Modena to add ease and great flavor to any dish, whether you're grilling, baking, broiling, braising, sauteing, or stir-frying. Primal Blueprint listeners can get their favorites 20% off when they use the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT at checkout.